Greetings and welcome to Shnaim Mikra, the podcast series sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org, in which we study, examine, and analyze one aliyah of the current week's parasha in each podcast. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom, and I'm delighted to be studying Parshat Pahalotacha with you. We're now in the third aliyah, which comprises the first section of Parakhtet, chapter 9, where chapter 9, verse 1, Parakhtet Pasuk Aleph of Sefer Bamidbar. And this is a pasuk that uh, provides uh, fodder for the very uh, intense discussion in the first parak of Masach Psachim, famous dispute between the Ibn Ezra and the Ramban about chronological sequencing in the Torah. Because, uh, as you will recall, the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar, eight chapters ago, was presented as taking place on the first day of the second month in the second year after the Exodus, which we would call Rosh Chodesh Iyar. This next pasuk, eight chapters later, is Vayidaber Adonai Amoshev Midbar Sinai, Bashana Shenit, Latzitam Yeretzitzvayim, Bachodesh Harishon Lemor. This is now a month earlier. So if we accept the premise of the Ibn Ezra that the Torah is not written in chronological sequence, this is not a problem at all. However, if we accept the Ramban's position, and the Ramban has to defend his position here, that the Torah follows chronological sequence, this is clearly an exception to that rule. It's a piece that we won't take up now, but just to point it out. <clears throat> in, in any case, what is it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells B'nai Israel on that day, which, by the way, that day was the day of the uh, dedication of the Mishkan. Now, that is going to be the part of the focus we'll talk about in this podcast, about what really happened on that first day. And to, to understand that, we have to look back to the uh, parallel chapter, chapter 9 in Sefer Vayikra, which it starts at Vahi Bayom Hashemini. It was on the eighth day, which was the day of the dedication of the Mishkan, after seven days of Miluim, of investiture, in which Aharon and his sons uh, were to prepare for the Kuhuna. At that time, there were all four sons. They were to prepare for the Kuhuna. They go to, through the practice, and that day, Moshe, that time, Moshe was bringing the Korbanot, etc. Now, uh, question is, what was Bayom Hashmini? And we're going to get a clue in this, in this piece, uh, perhaps, that will take us in a slightly different direction from the conventional one, as we'll see. Uh, in any case, what is going on at this point? B'nei Yisrael should bring the Korban Pesach in its proper time. Um, why is this command being given now? Uh, because there's several reasons. One reason is that the Korban Pesach time is coming up. However, if we look back into Sefer Shmot and Parsha Bo, we find that B'nei Yisrael were only commanded to bring the Pesach, Kitavo El Aretz, when they come to the land. So why is a korban going to be offered in the Midbar? In other words, B'nai Yisrael brought the Pesach in Egypt, and then they were told, when you come to the land, you'll bring the Pesach. You'll continue, but not in the interim. Well, the simple explanation is there was no vision of an interim at that point, meaning B'nai Yisrael was supposed to leave Mitzrayim and go straight to Israel, and at the very most, stop at Har Sinai briefly, and then come to Israel and be there by summertime, and by the time the next uh, spring would come around, they would be uh, in Israel, and they would be off for the Korban Pesach. Things changed. The first thing that changed, of course, was the Egel, which kept B'nai Israel at Har Sinai for another few months. And perhaps that was the reason, according to Rashi and others, 
That was the reason we had to build the Mishkan, and that kept us there all winter. And now we're, we are here, and there was a need to bring the Koran Pesach. But indeed, why is there a Korban Pesach if we're not in the land? So it is possible to posit, and this is uh, in, in preemptive response to the question of why this was the only Korban Pesach brought in the desert. Why didn't B'nai Israel bring the Korban Pesach the next year and the next year and the next year and for all the other 39 years that there were, 38 years that there were in the Midbar, until finally in Yoshua Hay they bring the next Korban Pesach when they're in the land. So the Gemara in Yevamot approaches it from the direction of, by the time the next Pesach rolls around, babies are born, and they have not had Brit Milah, and if you have somebody in your family without Brit Milah, you can't bring a Korban Pesach. problem with that is that we've now been in the Midbar for a year, and if they were not able to do Brit Milah in the desert, as is indicated in Yoshua Hay, there have certainly been babies born in the last year. So how could they bring the Korban Pesach? Another way to address the question is to take it from the opposite perspective. Not to assume that you have to bring Korban Pesach every year, but rather to follow this, the read in, in Parshat Bo, that the Korban Pesach is to be brought only once you come to Israel. And that this one is really the exception. And what's the purpose of the exception? So if we take a look at four very famous events of Korban Pesach, which are collected in most of the Haggadot, on the beginning of the Haggadah, as part of the um, liturgy to recite on Erev Pesach, the Korban Pesach, we find that there is this, there is the Pesach of Yehoshua, which is the Haftarah of the first day of Pesach, there is the Haftarah of the Pesach, sorry, of Chizkiyahu, and there is, of course, the Korban Pesach of Yehoshua, and the Korban Pesach of Ezra, those five famous events of Korban Pesach. <clears throat> what do all five have in common? They are all five inaugural events. In other words, going backwards, Ezra's was the inaugural event, the one in Ezra, of the new Mikdash, what we refer to as Bayit Sheni. Both Yoshiao and Chizkiyahu were inaugural events of a rededication of the Mikdash after destroying all of the Bamot, all of the outside places of worship. Yoshua's is very easy if they had just entered the land five days or four days earlier. And that was the inauguration of their presence in the land, Korban Pesach. So what is this Korban? as Korban Pesach may indeed be tied in with the inauguration of the Mishkan. And the timing works out beautifully because on the first day of Nisan, the uh, the, tr- the tribe of uh, Yehuda, Nachshon ben Amiadah, brought his Korban, the next day Shimon, and that goes through 12 days. The next day is the 13th, and the day after that is already the day of the Pesach. So there's a constant uh, dedication ceremony Consistent dedication ceremony going through the uh, the 14th and into the 14th, and I don't know people are going to eat their korban pesach, and it all becomes a very powerful ceremony, which is really the last step at Sinai because two weeks later the census begins, and less than three weeks after that they already begin the triumphal march to Eretz Israel. So that may be the reason that Hashem here commands uniquely the word Bemoado, of course, critically, at the beginning of the sixth parak in Psachim, is utilized to teach the lesson that the Korban Pesach is brought even when Pesach falls out on Shabbat, meaning what we refer to as Arab Pesach falls out on Shabbat, in the famous story with Hillel and Bnei B'terah. In any case, Do it on the 14th of this month in the afternoon. Do it like all of its laws and all of its statutes meaning all the laws that were already given of the Korban Pesach back in Mitzrayim. Not 
as it was done in Mitzrayim, but the law is given in Mitzrayim for the eternal Korban Pesach. So that's Moshe's command. And they did it. But Esau did exactly what was commanded. Now, here we have the fly in the ointment. There were people there who were tmeim lenefesh adam, which means they were tmeim mate. They were tmeim because they'd had contact with the dead. Now, at this point, we have not yet heard about tumat mate. We're going to find out about that in Parshat Chukat, famously. But clearly, these are laws that had already been given. Not only the laws of Tumat Mate, but the laws of how to get clean from Tumat Mate. And on that day, they couldn't do the Pesach. The implication and the inference made in the Sifri is, on that day they couldn't do the Pesach, but they could have done it the next day. Meaning, that the 14th of Nisan was the 7th day of their Tumah, is Rabbi Akiva's opinion. In other words, they had become Tamei on the 8th of Nisan, and now this is the last day of their Tahrah. That night they become Tahor. And they came close to Moshe and Aaron with a complaint. We'll find out in a minute who they are, or perhaps. Why should we left be left out? Not to bring the Korban of Hashem in its time, but we want to be part of the group. Why should we be left out? We didn't do anything wrong. We're Tameim Lenefesh Adam. And the implication, perhaps, here is we were even doing something positive by burying somebody or having contact with the dead, and now we're being cut out. So what happens? And Moshe says to them, you stand here and wait what Hashem will command. Meaning, and what a beautiful, beautiful state, statement it is, that Moshe is able to say, you know what, you asked a good question, let's find out what HaKadosh Baruch has to say. Imagine that kind of connection and uh, with with the divine, the one is able to make such a statement. This, of course, is unique to Moshe. In any case, these people came forward to Moshe and basically had a, a legitimate complaint. We would like to bring the korban. We don't want to be cut out of the nation, and uh, and we and we um, we uh, we are looking for some uh, some solution. <coughs> and parenthetically, before we talk about who the people are and the issue of dating and how that affects the issue of Yom Hashmini, note that this notion, and this phrase, Lama Nigara, we do not want to be cut out, is one that appears here relatively at the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar. We're still at the at the earliest date in Sefer Bamidbar, which is the beginning of Nisan. After all, Bamidbar chiefly takes place in the end of the spring and the beginning of the summer of that year, and then in the 40th year. Uh, but this takes place at the beginning of Nisan, uh, we have this phrase, Lama Nigara. At the end of the 40th year, we have the same exact phrase, which is when the daughters of Slavchad come forward to Moshe and say, Why should our father's name, Lama Yigara Shemavinu, why should our father's name be wiped out and not be included by having his uh, land be divided up among his brothers, which should be given to us? And then at the very end of Bamidbar, in the very last part of Sefer Bamidbar, their cousins, the other members of Menashe, have a concern that if Benot Slavchad get land and they marry somebody from another tribe, that land will leave them. We're not going to go into details about that, but the same exact phrase, why should our land be diminished, is a constant concern throughout Bamidbar, and in, in, in a sense, really informs what the theme of Sefer Bamidbar is, which is inclusion within the community. 
that Bamidbar is about the Machane, it's about the camp, and everybody has a place, and nobody is to be left out, and everyone is to be included. In any case, who are these people? So Rabbi Kiva suggests that these people are Mishael ve'el Tzafan. Who are those? They are Aharon's great nephews, who are um, his son's cousins, essentially, um, who um, who are called in by Moshe to take out Nadav and Avihu from the Mishkan, because Nadav and Avihu died there, and therefore they were Tmei mate, and the set, their seventh day fell out on the 14th. Well, let's do a little math. If that's the case, that means that Nadav and Avihu died on the 8th of Nisan. But what that means is that Bayom HaShmini, as mentioned there, is not the first day of Nisan, but rather the eighth day of Nisan. And indeed, if you read through the uh, through Parsha Tetzaveh and Parsha Tzav, you could see the dis- discussion of the Miluim. It seems to be really be uh, an almost uh, inevitable read, because part of the process of the Miluim was that Aharon and his sons must stay in front of Petach Oel Moed for all seven days, day and night. But if during those seven days, the seven days before Rosh Chodesh Nisan, when the Mishkan was being put up and taken down every day by Moshe, but not up permanently, because the permanent structure of the Mishkan was only to take place by Yom HaChodesh HaRishon Takim Mishkan, as we read in Parshat Pekudei, then how are Aharon and his son sitting in front of a building that's not there, a tent that's not there? So it really seems to be recommended, and this is something that there's much, much discussion about, that Bayom HaShmini, perhaps like the Ibn Ezra says, is really the eighth day of Nisan, that's the day that Nadav and Avihu died, and that's the day that um, that Mishael and Al-Safat, of course, became Tmei Mate, which is why they are Tmei Mate now. Because if, after all, if Nadav and Avihu died on the first of Nisan, uh, Mishael and Safan at this point are quite a bit... Uh, Tahor and have Tumah uh, quite a bit in the past. And they would have had plenty of time to know about this because the command of the Koran Pesach came on the first day of Nisan as recorded here in Pasuk Aleph. Okay, in any case, let's see what the solution is. If a man is Tamela Nefesh and now anticipating the entry into the land is far away meaning even in further generations here Asafesach doesn't mean did, but wants to do. Meaning he wants to bring the Koran Pesach. There's lots of examples of where things like this, where this sort of word doesn't mean he did it, but rather wants to do it. And a good example of that is something we just read publicly uh, when on Shavuot in uh, the fourth parak of Megillat Rut, says, Machran Naomi, that this field, the Boaz tells the Goel, that the field that belongs to our our brother Elimelech, our cousin Elimelech, Machran Naomi. And it's clear that Naomi has not yet sold it because later on in the negotiations he buys it from Naomi. Machran Naomi means Naomi wants to sell it, Yasafesach means he wants to do a Korban Pesach. So what does he do if he keeps Tamil and Efesh over there Chaka? Bachorish Hashini. So on the second month, so at exactly the same time, the fourteenth in the afternoon, and eat it with matzah maror, just like the Pesach and Pesach in, in Chodesh Rishon. You can't leave any over till the morning. Not break any bones. Just like all the laws of the Pesach. Now, this uh, brings us to an interesting discussion uh, about to which extent, to what extent, the Korban Pesach um, in the uh, in Pesach Sheni is similar to the regular Pesach, 
Uh, and here the, uh, the ninth chapter of Masach HaPsachim goes into details about mitzvah al gufo, mitzvah shebigufo. Uh, as is well known, the Korban Pesach is eaten with matzah and as it says here, but you could also have chametz at the same meal and own chametz at the same time. There is, of course, no Yisrobalacha on that day. But that's the, uh, but, but for things which have to do with the body of the Korban, it has to be a Ben Shana, and it has to be a Tamim, etc., just like Pesach Rishon. Uh, but let's say there's somebody who is Tahor, meaning, now we're gonna have the problem that somebody's gonna say, oh, I got a Pesach Sheni, I'm not to my mate, I'm not far away, but I don't want to do Pesach Rishon. He'll get Karait. Why? He didn't bring the Korban in the right time. Therefore, he bears his sin. In other words, this is only for somebody who was not able to for one of those two reasons in Pesach Rishon. And that raises a, a, a dispute between Rabbi and the Chachamim and the Mishnah and Pesachim about what happens if he was, um, uh, let's say, Tamei on the first Pesach and then the second one just out of laziness didn't do it. Is he Chayv Karait? Let's say a ger joins you, and he wants to do a Pesach. Again, Asa here meaning wants to. He does have to do the same laws. It's the same rules apply to the Ezrach and to the ger, a theme that is very constant, Dafka and Sefer Bamidbar, which again is all about the consolidation and unity of the community. Okay, everybody should have a wonderful day. We'll pick it up with the fourth Aliyah, as we read about the triumphal march of Bnei Yisrael as they begin to march towards Eretz Yisrael. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.